Welcome to The Raw, recorded at Sioux College, which is located in the Robinson-Huron Treaty Territory. We are grateful to Mother Earth for providing us the land, water, air and food needed to sustain all life, and we acknowledge Indigenous peoples as the original stewards of this land, who have lived in harmony and in respect with all creation. As we are all relations, it is important to recognise this interconnected relationship with one another and our obligation to respect the land that has nourished, healed, protected and embraced us. We honour our Baduan Bachawana First Nation and Katagan CB Garden River First Nation as the original caretakers of the land that Sioux College is situated on and acknowledge the contributions of the historical Métis Nation of Sault Ste. Marie in the stewardship of this territory. St. Marie any longer. We seize this opportunity to take control of your radio waves to bring you tales of Castle of Knowledge, the grandest and most spooky of the schools in all imagination. Located in Figmentville, this bastion of magical knowledge is a guiding light in the darkness for all those who attend its hollowed corridors. But even students of the castle are not safe from the dangers of the ghoulies and goblins, pixies and gnomes that terrorize the neighborhoods. <laughs> Gather out, herders, for a tale of persistence when all seem lost. The haunting of John and his epic journey to overcome the priority poltergeist and goal-stealing goblins who shadowed his every step. Well, well. Isn't this a lovely scene? Sunshine, not a cloud in the sky, makes a change from what we have going on outside our windows. The story narrator. Yes, yes, right. Where are we? Ah, here we go. We're on the Gothic Avenue. Ah, I know it well. Many a haunting has happened here. Those houses are charming, though. Let's see. We're looking for a red carriage. Red like blood. Baffle. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. So a beautiful sun-filled street, large maple trees on either side of the street, large old red brick houses, a soft warm breeze ruffles hair and jostles the leaves as family fill the driveways, unpacking for the start of a new academic year at the castle. And here's John's family. Lovely red carriage. Just look at that woodwork. Yes, yes, it's lovely. Oh, so unrefined. All the trimmings of home pouring out into the driveway. Mom and Dad steadily heaving bags up the stairs. Ah, here's John helping his parents. What a good lad. Here, let me take that, Mom. Thank you, dear. The stairs don't seem at all safe. She has a point. The wooden 
wooden stairs leading to the front door were once upon a time painted white, but that has mostly flecked off, likely due to our lovely winters. The whole frame of the stairs and the porch shake as John runs up them to the front door, slinging the bags his mother handed to him over his shoulder. Be careful. They're fine, Mom. Relax. Despite the state of the stairs, this is a grand old building. House, a number of small apartments with vaulted ceilings, big bay windows, just oozing charm. No one cares about the oozing charm. Baffle, the scene needs to be set so our listeners can see our hero's surroundings. Spooky old house on a spooky street with spooky other houses. Scene set. Let's go. Get to the scary stuff. Hold your bones, Baffle. We are just at the start of the semester. We have a ways to go yet. Snore. Uh, I think that's everything. This is that last bag of groceries. Mom knows that I also have a meal planned through the castle too, right? She's just nervous to see our baby boy leave home. Aww. Shush. Dad! John ducks away from his father as he attempts to gently slug him in the arm. Though he almost trips over the numerous bags now littering a brightly lit living room of the apartment. Clean white walls, a couple of tasteful paintings already hanging, a lovely Art Deco fireplace with a mirror, and oh look, the landlord left a vase of flowers and a welcome note. Snooze! A deep red rug adorns the floor. Deep dark stained wood floors throughout, by the looks of it. Hmm, that kitchen doesn't look very big though. A little dated too, but lots of sunlight through those windows. John? I want to give you something before we set off home. It's something I learned over my lifetime and have molded and crafted with care. He isn't listening. <sighs> John appears to be trying to guess what is in each bag. It appears he didn't pack them all himself. Oh, look. Wait. John's dad has a gift for him. That'll get his attention. John, are you listening? Sure. Wait. What's that? These are my wisdom tools. I'm giving them to you to keep you on track this semester. Ooh, my John is a lucky fella. His father is holding it. Shut it! I can't hear what you're saying! This is my priority arm. It glows as brightly as the summer sun, holding your priorities in clear view. All you need to do is look into its center, and you'll see how strong your priorities are. And this is my goal-setting tablet. All you need to do is hold this tablet in one hand, and the orb in the other, and your goals that will work towards your top priorities will appear across the golden slate. Just swipe with your finger, like so, to let the tablet know you have completed a goal. He didn't need to demonstrate how to swipe right. Baffle, these are very important gifts. Priority orb and a golden goal slate. Such riches of wisdom from his father. Baffle, do you know what each of these items do? He just said. The priority orb will hold John's top priority at its center. And so long as John is working towards that top priority, the orb will glow, like the midsummer sun and emit the warmth of those rays. Delightful. And the goal-setting slate? John's father is indeed skilled to have developed such wisdom during his lifetime. To be able to so clearly link his top priority to the smaller goals need to move him in that direction. Baffle? We are lucky to be able to tell this story today. Uh, it's supposed to be a Halloween story. Here, let me show you how to set your top priorities so that the orb can help you focus 
and so that the slate can keep you moving in the right direction. This is excellent. We're going to get to see a skilled witch teach his son the spells that will help him stay on track all semester long. Wonderful. Wait, John isn't paying attention. Nonsense. He is wrapped with awe as his father crafts the spell of focus. Hold the wisdom steady there, John. Focus on what I'm telling you. Told you. With my knowledge, I pass to thee the wisdom of this family. Priority, priority, focus and grit. Goals and sound planning will get me to... Oh, a successful first semester at the castle. On my path to becoming imagination's greatest weaponsmith. Oh, heck, that was exciting. Hmm. I'm not sure that took. I think you might have been right. John may not have been paying attention. His chatterbox was lighting up with messages and making chirping noises the whole time. Remember what I said about the glow of the orb and the slate, and you'll do just fine. Thanks, Dad. That was great advice casting. Do you think you can drop me at the Prancing Pony? There are people from my class meeting there this evening. Oh, uh, let's put some of this away first, shall we? The Prancing. No one needs to know what goes on at the Prancing Pony. We all know it's orcs, elves, wraiths, and lost kings. Fast forward. <coughs> Fine. It's the first day of the semester now, if you don't mind baffle. Yes, yes, set the scene. Dear listeners, you're in for a treat. The Castle of Knowledge is the greatest school of witchcraft in all imagination. Its towers and walls dominate the first view that newcomers receive of Figmentville as they arrive on flights of fancy over the mountains of daydreams. A towering gothic structure of obsidian stone with veins of gold and silver running through it, the magic work that went into building this castle is really something. There are 12 towers, indicating the 12 sections of scholarly work. You don't need to list them. Oh, yeah. Alchemy. Oh, he's going to list them anyway. Botany. Crafting. Destruction demonology. Earth elemental summoning. Fire mage training. Ghoul Control, Havoc Hunter, Jester's Court, Knights in Training, Leatherworking, and Mummification. You missed I. There is no I. That wing was mysteriously vanished centuries ago. For the purpose of this story, though, we call them A to M wing. Each glorious wing has its own tower, in which resides the head of that particular discipline. Overseeing all manner of faculty and staff members, each wing has its own grounds that snakes around it in the most confusing manner. Without careful signposting and strategically placed maps, students can get rather lost. Don't forget to mention the grounds at night. That's the best part! I'm not sure carnivorous trees and wandering wild distractibats are the best part, Baffle. They are to me. Disturbed creature. Either way, the grounds of the Castle of Knowledge are dangerous at night, and no student is permitted to wander them past sundown. Of course, every year there are students who ignore this rule, and every year the Distractabats make off with one or two students, and the Warriors, three, are dispatched to go and fetch them. Oh, the three! Will this story ever get to the three? All in good time, Baffle, all in good time. Well, this episode can't be much longer than 40 minutes, so... 
Well, we better get on then. Quiet down. Right, where was I? Ah, yes, our obsidian triumph of Gothic architecture. With gold and silver veins of magic swirling through it, in the sunlight it gleams, and in the moonlight it beckons. This bastion of knowledge, this... Merlin's beard, stop! It's a gigantic old castle with lots of magical creatures and dangerous grounds students shouldn't trespass in at night. Imagine another popular magical school, and you're close. Got it? Good. Baffle? Onwards, good storyteller. <sighs> it's the first day of the new academic year. It's still beautifully warm out. The trees are still green with the life of summer. Not a hint of fall has touched them yet. Our first semester students are gathered in the amphitheater of announcements just next to the Ethwing Forest. A sister of calm and courage is addressing all the students. And there is John with his friends. Good, good. He isn't listening again. Hush! Remember, the circle of caring is right at the center of the castle. You can't miss it. It's right next to the Kitchen Witch's Tea and Crumpus Cafe. All you need to do is step into the circle of caring and ask for help. Here at the Castle of Knowledge, help is always there for those who ask for it. For seeking support is an act of bravery and strength. This is a new adventure for all of you. No matter the wisdom, you have been gifted by others. This is your path's forge, your journey to experience, and sometimes the bravest thing you can do is to keep moving forward and ask for directions and the right tools to get you there. Every year, the party pixies, anxiety gnomes, and isolation imps cause havoc on some of our students. So if you end up with an infestation of any of these critters, let us know. Before I let you go, remember, the grounds of the castle are forbidden after sundown. For these grounds come alive with all kinds of nightmares. Oh, and remember what I said about that poltergeist and the goblins it appears to have taken up with. Such noble creatures, the sisters of calm and courage. Such sage advice for our students. Asking for help, especially with those pesky critters. They can derail even the most studious of students. They are all on their chatterboxes. What? No. The learning plans are located on the flame screens each of you have been provided. Make sure you're able to unlock them effectively, and be sure to make note of all of your deadlines and test days. If you need help... We should gather our notes together now and get organized. This first week flew by. Already done. And watch this. Should he really be showing off that slate? It's made of solid gold. He is crossing off holes. He has been using his father's wisdom. This is wonderful. He just crossed off one. One is better than none, Baffle. It is the first week. A gold slate. Wow, who gave you that wisdom? My father. He crafted it over his lifetime and gave it to me, along with this priority orb. Put that light away. You're lucky that you know someone with such wisdom to pass on to you. Most of us have to develop our own wisdom to get through the first year. Yeah, I'm lucky, all right. I know exactly what I need to do to reach my goals and keep my priorities straight. Study hard, stay focused. Become the world's greatest weaponsmith. Well, seeing as you're so organized, are you coming to the Prancing Pony tonight? Belgraf, the storyteller, is in town. We have an assignment due in two days. He just said he was focused on his goals. That's right. I'm going to get the assignment done. I can catch Belgraf at another point. 
He is a world-renowned storyteller. He doesn't stop by the castle every other week. That distracting friend number one is rather pushy, isn't she? Yes, but look. John is holding the priority orb in his hand, and it is blindingly bright. He has his priorities straight, and is focused on his goal. Our hero is unstoppable. So why is he our hero? I thought this was a spooky Halloween story. So far, all we've seen is a new student focused on his goals at the beginning of the semester. Ah, uh, but baffle, isn't that the point? The semester nearly always starts off with good intentions. Oh! Let's zoom forward to the middle of the semester and see if John has managed to maintain his priorities and keep his goals in sight. Sounds good. Oh dear, oh dear, oh no. I don't understand. What happened? We only jumped forward a few weeks. Well, dear listener, our hero seems to have stumbled on hard times. His priority orb is barely glowing and appears to be sitting in the middle of a small puddle. What is that? Baffle, can you get a closer look? It looks like water. But where would that have come from? And why is the orb in the middle of the floor? Do you leave a window open? It's, it's freezing in here. I don't see an open window. Let me go look. Okay, okay, I'm going to check over here. I'm going to head this okay. way, Jack. Okay. While Narrator 1 and Baffle are off looking for an open window, a formless shadow slides down the wall. Ice forms where it touches the wall. It looks weightless. But it reaches the floor, there is a noticeable thud. Then a steady scraping sound as it drags itself across the floor towards the priority orb. A trail of ice melting into water is left in its wake. light and warm is sucked from the room. As it reaches the priority orb, John can be heard tossing in his sleep in the other room. A bony hand of grey wispy smoke forms from within the dark dense cloud. It reaches down, closing its fingers around the orb, which gives a weak pulse of golden light, flickering beneath the freezing grip of the poltergeist. It slowly drags itself towards the other end of the living room, forcing itself between the armchair and the sofa, vanishing from sight. Hear that? Hear what? The orb! It's gone! A trail of water? Freezing cold temperatures? Baffle! I think John might have a poltergeist. John has slept through his alarm. His second alarm. And his insurance alarm across the room! Wake up! He can't hear you, Baffle! He'll be late for class at this rate, though. He already is. Oh, here he goes. Yep, he has noticed what time it is. And he'll spring into action any minute now. He's lying back down? What's going on? Oh, he's chatting to a friend on his chatterbox. His friend has also missed class. They agree to go to the professor later in the day and say they missed the bus. But! Precisely. That poltergeist is behind this transformation. It's been moving the orb around the apartment and suffocating it with its ice-cold presence. John's priorities are no longer fully focused. I wonder where the bull slate is. Esther, come on. Just let me borrow your notes. Not your assignment, your notes. No, you borrowed them last time, and used them word for word in your answers in the quiz. Do you know how long I worked to ensure those notes worked for me? You can do this yourself, John. 
you were at the beginning of the semester, just go to the circle of care and ask for help and talk to the prof. And let the prof know how far behind I am? No, thank you. And I don't need to speak to a sister of calm. I can do this. I know that. But, John, where are your father's wisdom tools? In my... Oh, they must be at home. I haven't seen you use them to plan your study week. In fact, I haven't seen you in the library in weeks. I'm fine. I can handle this. Are you sure you aren't experiencing an infestation? The sisters said... I'm fine. Oh, he doesn't sound fine. No, not at all. Let's follow him and see whether that poltergeist is still floating around his apartment. Poltergeists are nasty critters, some of the most difficult to exercise. They are constantly moving a person's focus, preventing them from being able to see what the problem is until it's too late. For students, this can be particularly difficult to deal with as they are experiencing a new adventure here at the castle and are not necessarily equipped for how to handle the added stress of a haunting, let alone dealing with a full-blown poltergeist. This is not at all good, Baffle. He is standing on those old rickety steps to his apartment building. What is he doing? In the darkness, lit only by the street lamp, that house does look rather foreboding. Told you, spooky house. Twist the treats. It's the map. Gold, gold, and pretty. Arr! We take them for ourselves. <laughs> Who's there? You're joking. Do you not hear those goblins? I think he has his chatterbuds in. Yes. See, he has taken one out of his ear and is listening. He doesn't seem concerned. Oh dear. Under the stairs, there. See those red eyes? Oh, red John! It's slivers. It's lies. It drags the lawn in the floor. It frizzles. It steals. It moves. (laughs) I think he heard that. He doesn't look too well. There he goes, into his apartment. I'm not sure that it's going to be safe, narrator. Indeed, Baffle. John enters his apartment to find a chill throughout the rooms. He swears softly to himself. He was sure he had left the heat on. This damn old building, he was going to catch a cold. He drops his arena bag on the floor. Another day of arena matches. He was improving, moving up in the rankings as a protector. It has consumed him. His school bag with his books and goal slate lie abandoned on the desk in front of the big bay windows. They don't appear to have been reviewed in some time. Spots of water litter the floor, and there is a steady sound of dripping water. John looks exhausted, even though he is sleeping more than ever. His chatterbox vibrates on the mantel, where he has dropped it with his keys. It's his mother, but he ignores it. He can't face telling her one more time that everything is fine, despite the ache in his heart to tell her and his father that he can't bear another day here. He has fallen so far behind. He finally notices the drip, drip, drip. Unsure where it is coming from, he moves to head towards the kitchen, only to land one foot on dry floor and the other on thick ice. Ah! Scrape, drag, scrape, drag. Something slithers across the ceiling. Ice-cold water hits his forehead. A cold wind whistles throughout the apartment, and a door bangs shut. For a moment, 
John is frozen, still staring at the poltergeist as it drags itself across the ceiling. A gurgling sound, like a partially clogged drain, reaches his ear. Is it trying to speak? It is moving towards the fireplace. It doesn't seem to be interested in him. He watches his heart racing as the creature extends its body towards the floor. It sounds like plastic wrap being stretched to its breaking point. Ice pours onto the floor, immediately starting to melt. It inches towards the bookshelf in the corner. John sees it now, the priority orb, barely a glow left in it, no longer the color of a midsummer sun. It's now an ice-cold blue of frozen lake in winter. Three bony fingers materialize out of the mist, dripping ice shards and water they extend towards the orb. <gasps> a familiar feeling of icy suffocation spreads across his chest as the poltergeist closes its deathly cold grip around the orb. On and off all semester, John has been feeling this chill as his priorities have been stolen from him frozen and fractured. No! Images of his childhood dream to become a weaponsmith to the warriors and druids of imagination spurs him to life. He leaps forward. Goals! Snaps! Intent! Tricks! Flight and focus! All eyes! Be still! Three goblins come charging out of the old beds in the corner. No higher than half a foot, they are vile, oozy, and green, clothed in dirty rag cloth, but armed with nasty, rusty-looking weapons. They charge at John just as he gathers his energy to retrieve the orb. The orb blasts golden light and his priority is revived. It's heat melting the poltergeist's hand. The enraged, gurgling sound thunders through the apartment. John reaches for the orb, almost closing his fingers around it. A hook-like weapon slams over his right shoulder, yanking him backwards off of his feet and slamming him into the floor. Help! Shut it! No one can hear you scream. He's going to escape. <laughs> Attack! The sound of hundreds of small wings fills the apartment. The goblins are not alone. Isolation imps swarm the air, biting at his hands and his face as he tries to reach his chatterbox on the mantle. Desperate to stand, John swipes at the goblins and imps with one of his textbooks. His bag falling to one side, revealing the ghoul slate just beneath it. Ghouls! Ghouls! Shiny! Mine! No mine! I read Shiny Precious is mine! John manages to shake the goblins away from him as they fight over the ghoul slate. The feeling of the pressure in his chest and the fog in his mind builds as the poltergeist pulls away from them with the orb, firmly clenched between the cold, cold fingers. The imps continue to swirl around his head, their sharp teeth and claws scratching and biting at him. And just beyond the sounds of their wings, he can hear them chanting. Alone, alone, you're all alone. No one to help you. No one to guide you. Alone, alone. will always be offered at Cassie Knowledge for those who ask for it. The sister's voice echoes through John's mind and he throws himself at the door. He must reach the castle. Slamming the door behind him, he finds himself alone in the corridor. Not a sound from the other apartments, just the steady, fast gasps of his own breath and the feeling of his heart racing through his chest. There's no way for you to succeed, boy. No way for you to make it. 
Fallen so far behind, boy. No way to make it. Small rocks bounce off the wall beside John's head as two anxiety gnomes crawl out from under the door of one of the apartments further down the hallway. John hasn't seen the students who live in that apartment for some time. He thought perhaps they had simply moved away, but now... No way! No way! It's the end of you. An embarrassment to your house. Failure to your mother. An embarrassment to your father. Alone! Alone! No! Get away! John sends the anxiety gnomes flailing through the air as he makes his escape. The isolation imps that made it under the front door stream after him, moonlight bouncing off their small indigo wings. John makes it into the street, stumbling down the stairs. He falls with a crash to his knees, crumbling the gravel. Somewhere in the distance, he can hear similar shouts of panic. He isn't the only one fighting demons in the night. The porch door bangs open. Oi! Where are you going? Get him! Goblins, gnomes, and imps lurch towards him. Resist! 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 John sprints away from the house, leaving the shades of darkness behind him. John has reached the edge of the Castle of Knowledge. In the distance, he hears the shriek of Distractivat as it swoops around the grounds looking for the latest snack. Despite the warning from the Sister of Calm and Courage at the start of the semester about braving the castle grounds at night, John isn't going to wait by the gates until dawn. As he had crested the hill leading towards the gates, he had seen several small bobbing lights headed his way. Those goblins were persistent. Ignoring the pain in his side from running and the small scrapes and bites from imps, John pushes the massive iron gate open. It creaks loudly, but in the wind, the noise is lost to the rustles of the dead leaves and scraping from the branches of the trees that stand on either side of the massive entrance of the castle grounds. Before him, float the doors to each of the schools within the castle. Each one will send him through the grounds of one particular school, depositing him at the foot of the tower where he has classes. At least that is what the doors do during the daytime. They're in the usual places, floating slightly off the ground, through where there are usually a space in between H-Wing and J-Wing, a broken and slightly wonky door now floats off kilter, one corner of the doorframe bouncing off the ground slightly, the infamous eye-wing. Its door gently bangs against its doorframe. John steps closer to it. Each time the doorframe bounces off the ground, the door opens slightly, and John swears he can hear a torrent of water, and possibly someone shouting, though he can't make out what it is. He backs away, a bead of sweat rolling down the back of his neck, causing him to shiver. The adrenaline is starting to wear off. He needs to keep moving. The critters are coming even closer. John has no choice. He must choose a door or face his chances with the critters, and he already has an idea of what that looks like. Desperate to not feel that way again, John launches for the door of Equin. He knows this wing well. The fire mages are the hosts of the arena matches that he has been practicing his protection skills on all semester. Despite their stories of the fire forest that comes alive at night, John hurls himself through the door, slamming it shut behind him. He is immediately hit with an inferno of heat. Clawing at his throat, smoke stings his eyes. He peers through the haze. The door did not deposit him at the steps of the fire mage tower. But he is certainly not on the edge of the fire forest either. 
Between the flames of the burning trees before him, he can see the castle, sitting in all its calmness in the quiet of the night, impassive, unmoving, unaware of peril. If only someone would look out the window, surely they would notice that he is down there, fighting for his life. Kids might be listening, you know. A dread stalker takes form out of the fire. With the shape of a greyhound, that is where the resemblance to any dog ends. This is a creature of nightmares. Its body is molten lava. Its eyes are red flames. And its teeth are razor. Okay, okay, they get it. Scary dogs. Spooky stories. Spooky, not terrifying. Spooky. John glances back towards the castle. Beyond the line of burning trees, he can see a large, ancient oak untouched by the fires. From the stories he has heard among the fire mages, this is the Allerton Oak. If he can reach this tree, he has made it through the flaming forest, and the dread stalker will not be able to reach him. A charred branch lies on the floor several feet to his left. He will have to dive backwards towards it. It's a risk, but one he has to take. He hasn't come this far to give up. He will make it to the circle of Karen. He will not give up, not now, not after everything he has seen and been through during this night. He launches for the branch. The dread stalker howls and launches for him, teeth bared and snapping. His hands find the branch, and with all his might, he swings it. It's heavy, and he leans into the swing. Ah! With a howl of pain, the dread stalker is thrown to the side. The charred branch disintegrates as it connects with the flames of the beast's side. Not wasting any time to see if the creature recovers, John launches himself into a sprint for the ancient oak. Behind him, he hears the sound of multiple feet, some on four legs, others on two. He hears the howls of multiple dreadstalkers and feels the hot breath of something on his neck. Boiling liquid lands on his exposed skin as he flees, the snapping of jaws so close to his head. Go, 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 go! Ah! With a scream, John reaches the ancient oak and he is suddenly blasted by cold air. He falls to the ground, sobbing with fear and aching from exhaustion. Frustrated howls and the sounds of claws pawing at the ground reach over the crackling of the fires, but they do not leave the forest line. The mages were telling the truth. By reaching the oak, John had cleared the forest and none of the creatures bound within could reach him. <sighs> John struggles to his feet and stares at the castle. Despite having been studying there now for half a semester, his mind is completely fogged. He can't remember where the Circle of Care is located. He knows that he has walked by it many times over the recent weeks. He chose Eckling to enter the castle grounds because he is familiar with it. But he is now just so tired. He leans on the oak, his fingers finding the grooves of letters carved in its bark. Go straight. Keep to the right. Pass the kitchen witches on the right. The circle is there before you. The words fade from the bark as he finishes reading them. He stumbles back in surprise. The leaves of the oak tree rustle in the cold breeze. Its leaves are still all green, as though it's in the height of summer. John staggers in the direction of the F-wing archway. The sun starts to peek over the mountains. Dawn is coming. John finds himself standing before another archway. This one is white marble, smooth, cool to the touch, with the words courage and care carved across the top. I need a coffee with, like, double shots of espresso and chocolate this morning. <laughs> he falls through with much surprise at the staff gathering their morning coffee and getting ready for the day. As he almost passes out, he sees three women dressed like warriors covered in gore. 
standing with another woman, dressed all in pale purple, deliberately trying to avoid the gore and mess dripping from her colleagues. Where the heck did he come from? Find the gatekeeper at once. He came via the fires of Ethling. Get him some water. He's burning up. All alone. I don't want to be all alone. Goals. I have goals. I know what my priorities are. You're not alone. We're here. You made it to the Circle of Care. This is the third student this week that has been forced to the grounds at night. Here, drink this. You'll feel better. It's water. It's okay. And here, have a bite of this. It's chocolate. Chocolate? It helps! What happened? Critters. An infestation of critters in my apartment building. And, and... John's voice trails away. Should he not have been able to manage the critters himself? He had been helping his parents stave off mischief moths for years back home. With sunlight streaming through the cathedral-style windows, John found it hard to put into words what he had just experienced. And what? We are here to help you. We all are. The Sisters of Calm and us, the Warriors Three. But we can't help you find the right tools if you don't tell us what happened. Help will always be given to those who ask. There's no judgment here. There never will be. There is a poltergeist in my apartment. It stole my priority orb. It's part of my father's wisdom. It and the goal slate were helping me to stay on track this semester, but I started to feel disconnected and cold. I lost interest in my studies. I failed to heed my father's wisdom. I lost sight of why I came here. <laughs> You've come to the right place. We have everything you need here to vanquish those critters, including the poltergeists and the gnomes. The fact that you made it through the forest of fires, that you didn't turn back, shows that you have what it takes to make it through this trial. Your father's wisdom is exactly that. His wisdom. Forged through his lifetime to work for him. He can impart his advice on you and provide guidance by offering you his wisdom, but only you can forge your path through your studies. Only you can set yourself on the track to overcoming your fears and stresses. But the orb, the slate, I need to get them back. They... And you will, but you will need to combine them with your own wisdom forged from your own experiences and motivations. Come. We have much to do before the sun sets and you go to reclaim your apartment. Wait, you aren't going to drive them out for me? No, this is your fight. We will give you the tools, we will give you the guidance, just as your father did. We will show you what has been proven to work, but you already have what it takes to clear this infestation from your home. How can you possibly know that? Because you're standing here. You asked for help. Fear of asking for help can be the most debilitating and difficult step to take, and you've taken it. Come, let us kit you out with some tools to help you on your journey to success. John felt a little bewildered. Exhaustion was still creeping over him. But as he follows the warriors three through the back of the circle of care, its vaulted ceilings disappearing into what appeared to be clouds, birds flitted through the rafters, the song of a nightingale floating through the air, Beautiful carvings of the forest scenes climbed the pillars, and the air was filled with the soft spring smell of metal flowers. He felt his body relax, the tension leaving his shoulders. He was safe here. I've never been in here before. I didn't realize that it was so vast. There are many resources and people within the circle of care, so we had to ensure that it was big enough and able to continuously expand to fit everyone. The entire castle is filled with people who want you to be successful. Here we go. 
The Armory. Success 3 flung a massive wooden door open, as though it weighed nothing, and an enormous armory stretched out before them. Every weapon imaginable, scrolls upon scrolls, reaching high into the vanishing rafters, John stared in shock. Where do I start? How can I know what I need? There is where we and the Sisters of Calm and Courage come in. We can help you figure out what will work best for you. Given that we know what you're dealing with, we have a pretty good idea of the tools that we can best... Aha! You'll need this scroll. This is the scroll of growth mindset. It will help you to realize that you can achieve your goals. Remain focused on the right priorities. Stumbling along the way is not failure. It is a lesson learned, a way to grow through the experience. Here, this is the shield of strategy. Being deliberate about your plan of attack. Thinking carefully about how you want to approach the coming battle will help guide you to success. And here, I have the sort of persistence for you. Knowing that no matter what, you always get up. Even if you fall down seven times, you get back up eight. John stares at the tools before him. The scroll is ancient. Its paper feels delicate. But at the same time, a hum of strength runs through it. The shield reflects his shocked and tired face back at him. It is almost three quarters of his body's length, with two sharp tips on either edge of the top, curving in the middle to allow him room to look over while protecting himself. It ends in a sharp point at the bottom, covered in delicate carvings that appears to look like a map, although the image seems to constantly shift. And finally, the sword. The blade holds the same shimmering pattern of the shield, and with a slight curve, it is an unnerving weapon to look at. Its handle is plain, simply metal, but made well. Carved into the blade, he can make out the word grit, just under the shifting surface. The map on the shield and the focus on the sword will stop shifting once you feel confident in your understanding of the scroll. Come, you'll spend all day studying the scroll, and then tonight you shall reclaim your apartment. Tonight? Yes! Wakta! You'll have to forgive her. We were out slaying distracted bats all night. She gets fairly excitable on little sleep and lots of coffee. Tomato! Go and get your coffee and meet us in the training arena. Roll out! Hey, hey! There you are! Where did you go? Last time we saw Johnny was outside that creepy house. <coughs> um, uh, right, yes. Well, things got rather scary there for a moment. Okay, but what happened? Well, it looks like we were about to find out. Here comes John! And he has the three with him. Woohoo! I wonder if we would see the Warriors three in this story. Yes! You know what that means. Some critters are about to eat. Dude! Language! Right, right. John has some rather fancy looking armor now. A very dangerous looking sword and a shield with all kinds of excellent carving over the front of it. Can you make out what that is? Um, uh, it looks like a blueprint for how to lay out and create weapons? Oh, I think that is the shield of strategy. A famed shield, to be sure, which means a sword is a sword of persistence, and that scroll hanging from his waist must be... The scroll of growth mindset. What? I know what's in the armory, thank you. And there he goes. The three are right there, cheering him on. Warrior three is a little overzealous, isn't she? Getting gore all over the place. Well, you know those Brits. They're eccentric. The poltergeist has been watching the slaying of the imps, gnomes, and goblins with barely any interest. The orb still held within his grasp. 
how we have your goals, your priorities on ice, dead and forgotten. I have my goals and priorities with me all the time. I just needed to see how to forge my own path. With the goblin leader dispatched, the remaining goblin retreats through the vent. Success three, charging off down the stairs to cut off its exit. And head! Shut up and let her finish. I thought you were supposed to be doing this part. Battle. John approaches the poltergeist. I will take back my father's wisdom and combine those gifts with my own. Release it from your icy grip, demon. The poltergeist makes a sound like rushing water gurgling down a drain. Spikes of ice from around its body as it grips the orb closer to its unformed mass. The temperature drops in the room. The lights flicker. John can hear success three hacking up the escaped goblin. Success one and two stand behind him, ready to help him. His resolve strengthens and the orb suddenly brightens. A wave of heat lashes the poltergeist and John charges the shield raised, sword swinging. Fortunately for our hero, we live in imagination where magic does wondrous things. So after retrieving the priority orb and finishing off the poltergeist, the warriors three were able to wave their wands, cast their spells, and fix the apartment back to its pre-critter state. But for those of you out there listening into our broadcast from beyond the verse, remember that falling behind can be scary. Not knowing what to do or even how to start can be incredibly isolating. Don't give in to those isolation imps or anxiety gnomes. If you find yourself unable to figure out your priorities, if setting out clear goals feels too overwhelming, just remember, you have your own circle of care at Sioux College, the Student Support Center, where the counselors are your sisters of calm and courage, and the success team, your warriors three. They wait to assist you with their armory of success tools and wisdom, just waiting to be added to your own life experience. Forge your own path. But always remember, you can ask for directions on the way. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Tales from the Castle of Knowledge, The Haunting of John. It was brought to you by On the Nose Productions. Special multiverse hacking was done by Mayhem, with narration done by Narrator 1 and Narrator 2. Though I'm not sure who invited her. Join us next year for more Tales of the Castle of Knowledge. <laughs> by Melanie Sashurst, narrator one by Peter Corbett, John the Courageous and the Goblin Leader by Vincent Latassa, and he absolutely killed that, thank you. Narrator two, Katie Mullen, really well done. John's father and professor, Luke O'Brien. John's mother and an anxiety gnome, Shelley Lee. Our sisters of calm and courage were Carly Severini and Sydney Sacro. Nicole Lacroix provided us the voice of Darcy, an anxiety known, and success warrior too. Candace Boston was Esther. The imps of isolation were a group effort. The voices of Goblin 2 and Goblin 3, Marie-Claire Theriot and Stephanie Trudeau. And they were seriously epic. Success warrior 1, Heather Vermeer. Success warrior 3, Mayhem, yours truly. 
and background growling noises provided by the one and only Barney Coleman, first of his name, Puppy Prince Extraordinaire. And a special thank you goes to Lily Vermero for providing an extra voice to all the chattering and screaming that happened throughout. Again, thank you to our awesome cast. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. We'll be back with more tales from Castle Knowledge. Run!